From St. John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Good morning, friends. Good morning, all of you that are online with us today. As you know, we are now in the fifth week of Easter. We're working our way through this Easter series, and we've discovered something, I hope, and I've been saying it every week, that this Easter, as far as it being, you know, quarantine and kind of hunker down and social distancing and all that nonsense, the thing I want you to see here is that this Easter is actually a lot closer to the original, meaning that Jesus changes people individually one at a time. And we've been looking at this all Easter season, right? Cleopas, Mary Magdalene, Peter, uh, James, Thomas, the other guy on the road to Emmaus. Um, and in fact, even today, we see something astounding. I'm not going to preach on it because I'd probably get fired for preaching about the stoning of Stephen on Mother's Day. But if you, if you look at the epistle lesson, right, the, read it again uh, once the sermon's done. Read it again in Acts, and it's the stoning of Stephen. Stephen is the first Christian martyr recorded in Scripture who is killed by none other than St. Paul before he's converted. So the point I'm, I want you to see here is that Jesus changes people individually, then and now, them and you, one at a time, one at a time, he calls each of us by name. And so we've been saying that over and over again, and I hope that clicks for you. But today I want to I wanna change angle a little bit and just point something out about Jesus and the things that he says. Not only does he change people and change lives for good, the things he says, friends, are absolutely crazy. The things that Jesus says, the enormity of the claims that he makes over, and I'll get to it in a second, but the enormity of the claims he makes in Scripture, you know, I think sometimes we get numb to it because we've heard it before, but let me, let me just show one quick little nugget here, right? And I'll get into this in more detail. Jesus says, he says to, he says to uh, Thomas, Thomas, if you'd known me, listen to this, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. The father and I, Tom, are one. Wait, what? You may not know this. Jesus has been saying, you know, back in the Old Testament, right? A little primer here, a little uh, refresher. If you remember back on Mount Sinai, when Moses, you know, God reveals himself in the burning bush, right? The bush isn't actually on fire. It's a, some kind of supernatural thing. And Moses sees this, and God says, Moses, he calls Moses, Musha, Moshe is his name. And Moses takes off his feet, and God says, Moses, go and tell the people that their God is calling them. And Moses says, okay, who should I say is sending me? What is your name? And God tells him his proper name, right? Be like me saying, Chris is my first name. This is God's name. We say, Yahweh. Every time I hear that, I think of Yeehaw Junction, sorry. But uh, he, he says, Yahweh, but that word Yahweh is actually a word which means in English, and you really can't translate it in Hebrew or English. It means, we say, I am, right? And it, and it really just means God is just a being with, which, with nothing else can be compared, right? You can't define me by any other term than my own nature, God says. And so then Jesus takes this I am bit, which is what makes, he says, uh, completely enormous. And Jesus says a couple times, he says, uh, you know, I am, same construction. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the good shepherd, I am the door. 
Just notice something profound here. Every time Jesus uses the reference, I am, he's using it in reference to himself. And he is deliberately drawing a comparison between the I am of the burning bush, that God on Mount Sinai, and himself. Jesus is making the outrageous claim that he is the same God who spoke to Moses that day. I mean, no wonder, no wonder the guy was crucified. People don't crucify gentle Jesus, meek and mild. People don't crucify a milk toast. They crucify somebody who's perceived to be a threat. Well, why? Because Jesus upsets the apple cart. He upsets the status quo. And today is, I think, the high water mark of that whole dynamic, and here it is. It's as offensive now as it was then. Jesus says, I am the way, and I'm the truth, and I, I, Jesus, am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's look at that today. I want to look at the nature of his claims, the way, the truth, and the life. Let's kind of dial in on that for a minute. What does it mean? And secondly, I want to look at the inclusive exclusivity of the Christian faith. I'm not playing playing the game with words. I mean that. So first thing, the nature of his claim, way, the truth, and the life. Dial into that a minute. And then let's look at the inclusive exclusivity of his claim. So first thing, let's dial in on the claims that Jesus makes about himself. These things are outrageous. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does that mean? Well, I am the way. Well, what is a way? A way is a path, right? And a way is a connection between a person, place, and thing, right? So there's a way between me and you. There's a way between us and God. There's a way between here and public. It's a pathway. And Jesus says, look, look, I I am that way. I am the way to God. Now, the reason I say that to you is that all of us, every single person in this room, including me, if I'm not careful about this and reminded about it, We've all got a way. We've all got a plan, right? We've all got strategic goals in mind. We've all got a plan, if you will. Jesus says, I am the way to the life that you crave, and yet every single one of us, including me, we do our best to create our own, don't we? We don't really think of it this way, but we do it, right? I mean, think about it. When you're younger, I want to have a job and get married and raise a family and make some dough, you know, and then retire and li- have life happily ever after, right? That's pretty much the way that most of us choose. In fact, I would say all of us as sinners choose that because we want to plan our own way. We want to be our own boss. We want to be the way. We want to, be, we want to call the shots of the way we follow. The way that we choose, listen, is the series of things that we place our faith in, the things we think will make us happy, that will give us the life that we've always wanted that, ironically, Jesus promises us. But Jesus says, oh no, the way isn't a plan, a strategic objective. It's me. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't always believe this, and some days in my unattentive moments, I still don't not intentionally, but I'll tell you, when I was in college at Penn State, you all know I went to Penn State, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, I'd go to parties and football games and all that kind of stuff, sure. 
But I had a long-term plan also, right? And my long-term plan that I thought would make me happy was that I thought would give me peace, would give me the life that I wanted. I had a plan, and it went something like this. Graduate, graduate from Penn State, go to graduate school, get a degree, a PhD in industrial psychology, from, which I did do, I didn't finish it, but I went to North Carolina State University to get a PhD in industrial psychology. I thought I would then go out and make a ton of money working for a consulting firm, maybe get a job as a professional basketball player. Yeah, that didn't happen. But I had a plan. I had a way. It was my way. Problem is, you know, it didn't work. It never works. I got into grad school. Yeah, I got a free ride. I got a full tuition for a PhD. I came out swinging. I was killing it. I loved it. I was happy. I enjoyed my work. But man, something was missing. I knew it. And I wasn't happy. I wasn't at joy. I wasn't at peace. I didn't have a life that I wanted. And it wasn't until later on, actually in grad school, ironically, that it wasn't a thing that I was looking for all along, but a person. And I found out later his name's Jesus, who says, look, Rodriguez, you can make all the plans you want, bro. You can have all the strategic vision you want, bro, but I'm the way, man. I am the way, Jesus says. So here's, your, here's my question for you today, friends, and this is not a... Uh, it's not a trick question, and it's not a phony one. It's a sincere question. What about you? What is your plan? What is the way that you choose to have a life of joy and peace? I don't mean, I don't mean happiness all the time. That's cheap. I mean a life of contentedness. You've all got a plan, or you had a plan, or you're working a plan. Did it work? No. Because Jesus says the way isn't a process, the way isn't a plan, or strategic vision, or goals, or bold initiatives. Nope. The way, Jesus says, is me. I am the way. He also says something ironic, or strange, or profound. He says, I'm not only the way, man, I'm not only the, I'm not only the way of your life, the thing that you should be following, the thing you really want actually is me, he says. I'm the way. He says, I'm also the truth. What does that mean? That's a good question. What does that mean? What does it mean to say Jesus says, I am the truth? It's a really good question. And I'm always reminded of Jesus' trial, right? He's, this is a, later on in John chapter 18 when Jesus is carted out in front of Pontius Pilate, right? Typical uh, elitist kind of uh, politico that he was. And Pontius Pilate has just finished interrogating Jesus, kind of trying to find a way to get him off the hook, you know, because Pilate knows it's, it's political, politically dangerous to actually whack this guy, but he says, he says, you know, Jesus, give me something to work with here, man. Give me something to cut you some slack. And Jesus says, you know, here's the funny thing, Pilate. I come to bear witness to the truth, and those who know the truth hear my voice. And Pilate says something I've wrestled with my whole life. He says, Pilate, in a sort of sneer to this uneducated, uneducated Jew from Nazareth, yeah, you're a carpenter, right? Yeah, what do you know? What is truth? Pilate says, what is truth? And, and the reason Pilate says that is that at the time, first century, at the time that the gospel writers, John was writing this, people back then said the same thing. There's no truth. There is no such thing as truth. Life has no intrinsic meaning or point. Life is just whatever you say it is, man. We've all got our own reality. It's actually just like today, if you think about it. We call it postmodernism. We put, you know, a dress on a pig and call it postmodernism, which is just a, a fancy, highbrow way of saying that I reject Christianity as being true. 
postmodern worldview, which Pilate shared, they didn't call it that, they called it uh, Stoicism, but the postmodern worldview, the worldview of our own culture, the worldview of the people that you watch on TV, rejects, listen, rejects absolute truth claims, which is really ironic if you think about it. I asked somebody that once. I was in a debate with somebody who was a postmodern millennial, and, they, and I said I was a Christian, and they said, well, I don't believe in absolute truth. And I said, you don't, do you? And they said, nope. And I said, well, is that absolutely true? And they said, what? I said, well, if you say you don't believe in absolute truth, is that true? Yeah, right. Postmodernism then and now is stupid. But notice something interesting. Jesus doesn't even go there. He says, Jesus doesn't say, I point to the truth, or I, or I will teach you the truth, or I will show you the truth, or I will give you the truth, or I will write the truth. He says, no, man. I, I am the truth. I am the only thing that matters. It's me. And the interesting thing about what is truth even used for? You could say something is true, right? Today is Mother's Day. It's the 10th of, oh, it's Mother's Day. I'm just kidding. I knew that. (laughs) Today is the 10th of May, right? But see, what real truth, what the truth that Jesus is talking about is the truth that you use to make decisions, Every person, every person picks something in their life that is their truth. The reason for their life, right? Pilate says, there's no reason for life. That's not true. Everybody has a reason. Most people think pretty small, right? Get a big car, get a fancy house. That'll satisfy the existential longing of the human heart. No. Or maybe it's not money. Maybe it's, you know, you want to be, you want to give money to a charity you believe in, or you want to be the a faithful parish priest, and that's your goal, that's your truth. You want to be the best shuffleboard player in Vero Beach? I don't know. You want to be the best mother you can be? If the purpose of your life, your truth that you hang on, the thing that is the most to you, is a thing or an accomplishment, it will fail you. And that's why Jesus says, look, man, I'm the truth. And I'm the truth because I'm the only thing that will never fail you. So I'm the way, Jesus says. Yep, I'm the purpose. I'm the purpose of your life. I am the truth. I am the thing upon which all other things hang, and you should use to make all of your decisions what I say and do. And then Jesus says, and this is even more profound, I am am the life. Not a life. Not a really fun, take up your cross and follow me life. Not an adventure. Nope. I am the life. This is really cool. You know, one of the things which is important here is there are many different, well, a few, not many, three or four, different words in the New Testament that are translated life, L-I-F-E, right? Uh, And most of us, when we think of the word life, we think of somebody who's, you know, currently consuming oxygen and producing carbon dioxide, right? We've all known people, we've all known people, both sick and healthy, who are alive, they are breathing units, but they're, the spark's been gone a long time. Right? They're kind of dead. The ember is a, if, if there's a fire there at all, it's a smoldering, slowly cooling ember. That's existence. That is not life. The word that Jesus offers here for this life, and it's all the same thread, way, truth, and life. The life that Jesus offers us is this Greek, the Greek word, I love this word, it's the word zoe. If you know any girls named Zoe, it's the English of the Greek word. Zoe, and it means, Jesus says, you know, the life you all want, the life everybody wants, a life of peace and, and contentedness, 
Jesus says, you know, that's what this Zoe is, this life of meaning and power and, and, and purpose. Jesus says, I'm, the, I'm that life, man. There is a plan, and you are part of it. Joy, peace, flourishing. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm that life, too. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life that you seek, Jesus says. And that's my, sec- my second point here, briefly, is And then he says something even more, in case that didn't offend anybody, which it does, clearly. He says, you know what? I'm the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You know, people hear that today in our uh, inclusive culture, which is incredibly inclusive unless you decide that you don't agree. But on the surface, Jesus' words sound incredibly exclusivistic, right? Like here, you know, uh, on the surface, it sounds like Jesus is shutting everybody else. Oh, no, no, no. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. But, if what Je- but let me submit this to you. If what Jesus says about himself is true, that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, then just based on pure logic, there can be no other way. There can be, if he is the way, truth, and life, there, by definition, can't be another way, truth, and life. It's the law of non-contradiction in logic, if you know your logic. It's simple. A thing can't be and not be at the same time. This is not Christian exclusivism, friends. What it is is a logical, almost a syllogism. If I am the way, the truth, and the life, there can be no other way except for him. And the interesting thing, the fascinating thing, I think, in all this, and I'm going to wrap up, is that Christianity is the most inclusively exclusive religion that's ever existed of any religion. Why? Well, here's why. Because it's not ability or status or fame or moral performance even that gets you in. It's not how many infidels you kill, how many heads you chop off, how many people you convert, what color you are, what party you vote for. None of those make you a Christian. In fact, nothing you do actually makes you a Christian, and that's the beauty of it, you see. Is that what makes a person actually part of this club, I'm going to call it a club, part of this way, is simply humility. And the willingness to accept the grace, the free gift of God's unmerited favor for you, the gift that Jesus offers to each of us, a life of purpose and joy, a life of zoe, Because, friends, here's the deal, right? No one earns their way before God. Nobody. Because Jesus is the way, not you, not me. Jesus is the truth, not you, not me. Jesus is the life, not you and not me. And while the gate is, in fact, narrow, the key to entry is simple. Accept the gift. It is the most radically inclusive, exclusive religion of all time. And here's the question for you this morning. Here's the thing. Either Jesus is or is not the way, the truth, and the life. Either he is or isn't. If he's not, that means he's either a liar, he's evil, or he's crazy. That's C.S. Lewis's famous trilemma. So if Jesus makes this bold claim, which most people reject, but if you reject it, you can only say he's lying to you, he's, dis- he's wicked and trying to fool you, or he's crazy. But the fact of the matter is, crazy people don't raise people from the dead. 
But if he is the way, the truth, and the life, then you must give of him, you, him yourself totally. You cannot earn it. You do not deserve it. Neither do I. But that's the beauty of it, you see. Because Jesus makes the most astounding claim of all human history that he is the God who has come to save you, to die in your place, to make you worthy. Here's the question. We have before us, friends, the claim. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Will you accept that call? It is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of eternal consequence. And it is up to you to decide. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who challenges our thinking, who challenges the status quo, who is the way, the truth, and the life for all humanity. Help us, Lord, to, to surrender our lives, all of it, to his will, to him, and to live as people redeemed by his blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Mm-hmm.